Preachers are not great at listening to sermons. I don't know if you knew that or not. When you preach all the time, it is challenging to listen to a sermon in the conventional way. What I mean by that is, when I hear someone else preaching, I'm usually thinking not so much about the message, but about the method. I'm watching his mannerisms, I'm paying attention to his voice, maybe how he does an illustration, or or just kind of watching someone else practice their craft in the way that I practice mine. It's hard sometimes for preachers to listen to sermons. I've heard a lot of preachers preach. I've heard some young ones, I've heard some old ones, I've heard some experienced ones, I've heard some very novice ones. I've heard ones that move me to tears. I've heard ones that bored me to tears. But the best sermons, the best preachers I've ever had the chance to sit at were people that I didn't listen to at all. The best preachers I've ever known were people that didn't stand at a pulpit or in front of the pulpit, as the case may be. They were the ones who lived their creed, the ones who practiced what was preached, and who lived it out loud for everyone to hear. Several years ago, many years ago, in fact, a man named Edward Guest wrote a sentiment along these lines, and I've always loved this poem. He said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see the good in action is what everyone needs. I've always loved that poem because it's right. Because, because what matters in the course of Christianity and in the kingdom is not as much the great preachers of it, but rather the great practicers of it, the ones who take the word and put it into practice, not just reading it, but living it, not just hearing it, but taking it to heart. These are the best preachers one can ever watch and learn from. Our series today called Let Us, we're going to talk about how you all can be preachers and you all watching at home. I know you think, well, I've never been to school. I've never studied the Greek. I don't know all the the, the different books. I'm not sure how it all fits together. I don't surely have enough knowledge. Well, good. You're probably in the perfect place to be one of the best preachers the kingdom has ever had. This morning, I want you to consider How you, followers of Christ, preach your sermon. How you live it. And if you're caring to hear some instruction from Scripture, I will encourage you to open this, or open your Bible app, or wherever you're following along, and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 is uh, going to have one of these let us Scriptures we've been focusing on in this series being reminded that that this is not a lone ranger activity, that that Christianity is a a team sport, that we are in this together. And Scripture calls us out and admonishes us to consider how the things, consider carefully the things that we are called to do together. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir one, how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, now I, I know that some people just read the first part of that scripture, and you, you just let us consider how to stir up one another. Well, that's easy to do. Okay, that's not hard to do. Okay, just put your opinion right out there and and declare that you are right, and everybody else that disagrees with you is wrong. That's that's uh, not hard to stir up people. We see a lot of that in our culture. But, but the Scripture calls us not to stir up one another, but to stir up one another toward something, to love and to good works. I want you to, to think about that. Consider how you do that. Consider how you do that. Are you stirring up the people in your sphere of influence toward love and good works. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And when you were, when you were baptized, and in that moment when you confessed Christ as Lord and you put him on in the waters of baptism as we see done occasionally, or maybe it was done at a, at a, a, a mountain lake, uh, maybe it was done uh, in a kind of a, a dirty pond out in Kingman, uh, or somewhere else, there is this moment when you began your journey with Christ, when you were born, when you were born anew, the Scripture says. But it doesn't stop at the water's edge, or it shouldn't. That's only the beginning. You see, you and I were saved. Oh, I'm sorry, you really can't read that slide at all, so I'll just tell you. You were saved from something. But you were also saved for something. You weren't just saved from something. You were saved for something. There's a key difference in those things. You see, some people say, well, if I'm, just, if I'm saved from my sins, then there becomes this sort of protection, isolated, I'm just going to sit back, and if I just check this and check this and check this, I'll just barely get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. That's saved from something. The scripture says you weren't just saved from something, you were saved for something. And if you care to know what you're saved for, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 says very clearly, and he's talking about living out our faith through grace. We're saved by grace through faith. He says, Ephesians chapter 2, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God just didn't, didn't just save you from your sins. He saved you for good works. He saved you for being salt and light. And the scripture goes so far to say is he's prepared those opportunities for you to walk in and to live by. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you're just going to be saved from something or whether you're actually going to be saved for something. We talk about doing good and what that means and why it's so important. First thing to think about is doing good. These good works, these are the 
wonderful opportunity to bring God glory. If I were to ask you the question, how do you bring God glory? Some of you might say, well, I, 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 I worship every Sunday. I, I'm, I'm singing and, I'm, and I'm, I'm opening my Bible. And, and some of you might say, well, I'm, I'm even there for Sunday Night Live. And I join Sunday for class on Wednesday. And, I, and I, I'm there every time. Uh, I'm there every time the doors are open or, or, or the Facebook Live is streaming. I'm there every time. That's how I glorify God. All right, that's, that's not bad. That's great if you do all those things. But, but that wasn't the question. That's, that's participation. That's passive okay, for most of us. But how do you actively glorify God? When we do good to, to anyone, be it a, a, a neighbor, a family member, a, a perfect stranger, or someone in the, the household of faith, we are glorifying God. Now, you may have thought it was just delivering a, a meal to a grieving family. You, you may have just thought, well, it was just doing a drive-by birthday celebration for someone. You may have thought, well, it, it was just to go bring supplies to a neighbor or, or, or deliver some hand sanitizer and some Clorox wipe to someone, someone in need. You may have thought it was just going to do uh, window visitations at the nursing home. But you were doing much more than that in those moments. You see, when you do good, you reflect the one who is truly good. You reflect him and you reflect his glory. You're doing more than you know because you're reflecting God's goodness. But don't just listen to me on that. Listen to Jesus. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Greatest sermon ever preached by a rabbi who... Not only preached it well, but he lived it exactly as he preached it. And he says this in verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works, period. So that they can just, just, boy, that person's a great person. Boy, I wish I could be like them. No, that's not, that's not where it ends. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, we're not just saved from something. We're saved for something. We're, we're called to glorify God in all that we do. You see, when you and I do good works, it isn't about us at all. It's about reflecting one who is truly good. Good to people who love him and good to even people who hate him. Good to people who know him and serve him and good to people who are absolutely clueless about him. God is good. He is the truest, purest kind of good. When you and I do that, we have the opportunity to be on the mission of God and to glorify him in what we do. Doing good also doesn't just glorify God, but doing good also reflects living faith. How does the world know that you're a follower of Jesus? Maybe at one time that answer could have been, well, I go to a certain place at a certain time for one or two or maybe three hours a week. But you can't use that answer much anymore, can you? 
Isn't it interesting that we have removed from the opportunity, uh, removed from ourselves the opportunity to say, I'm a Christian because I go here. Now, see, now more than ever, (laughs) the way in which we show that we are Christ followers is not in where we go, but in who we are and how we act and what we do. You see, some of you, when I preach a message or when Steve teaches a class or when Sonny teaches a class, And they say, turn here, you turn there, and you flip back and forth, and you know where the scriptures are, and that's great. There's a whole world of people that know nothing about this book. And frankly, they don't really care. Now, we have programs like Know Your Bible, and and we, you know, the, the goal is to draw people back to what God's Word says, and that's good. But how are we going, how are you going to get the Bible? into the hearts of the people that you know, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. God has an answer for that. It's the person looking in the mirror. You and your life will be the only Bible that some people ever read. James said it best, Not, not James our shepherd, but James the brother of Jesus, James chapter 2. Speaks, James speaks a whole lot about this idea of faith and works. In the religious world, as we are prone to the religious, religious world to do, we argue about things. There are some groups that say, faith only, it's only faith, if faith is all you need, and anything else is just trying to be saved by works. And there's other people on the other side that it's got to be works. You've got to do some things. You've got to do some stuff. You've got to do some things. If you don't do it, it doesn't matter. But you've got to do the works. Which is it, faith or works? And the Bible answers, yes. James chapter 2, verse 14 and following. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. and I will show you my faith by my works. We're not, we don't do good to be saved. We do good because we're saved. Because God is working through us. And so not only is doing good the opportunity to glorify God, but it's opportunity to show a living faith. To let what is said in here make a difference all out here. Living faith, you see, shows the world a loving father. Now, some people don't know God. They haven't been raised to know God. They don't know his word and they don't care. But if you show living faith, you have the opportunity to show a loving father. 
and to make an impact to be the salt and the light that Jesus talked about. And it also helps us to do this. It also helps us and it gives us the opportunity to share it. Good works help us to share the good news. I've got to be careful on this point because this is, this is almost an easy one, okay? It's easy to get caught up in doing good works. I was thinking about that. Jesus said on the day of judgment, there's going to be lots of people who said, Jesus, Lord, have I not been doing all these things? Didn't I do all these things? And Jesus will say, but I never knew you. So we be careful about just doing good works for the sake of doing good works. We want to make sure we're doing good works to glorify a good God. And if the opportunity presents itself, spill over with the good news. Good works help us sharing in the good news. If you think about how often in your life you have shared the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone. Just, just think for a second. When was the last time you intentionally, purposely shared the good news of Jesus with another person who didn't already know it. Most Christians get quite ashamed at this point. Jesus, so many times in his ministry, would do something good, and they didn't tell whoever he did good to, now be quiet about it. And that person would immediately disobey and go tell everyone, go, go tell a whole town. Christ calls us to go into all the world and spread the good news And we often immediately disobey that and and don't tell anyone. Or we assume, well, you know, I I support this person and that person, and I pay the preacher, he sure better be doing it, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we don't tell anyone. Now, see, that, that doesn't abdicate you and I from individually sharing our faith. I have a responsibility to share the good news, not just with you all, but to share with my neighbors and my friends and my family, just as you all do. And when you think about the times when you've done that, I want to show you something cool here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. When we do good, it opens up a door. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We, you and I, followers of Christ, should be doers of the good. We should be doers of the good in our schools. We should be doers of the good in our neighborhoods. We should be doers of the good in our workplaces, in our cubicles, or or working from Zoom. We should be doers of the good in our families. We should be second-mile people in a first-mile world. Everywhere we go, every opportunity we have, we should be doers of the good. There's a reason for it. Doing good plants seeds within people's hearts. It makes an impact in a way that words alone will not. Did I ever tell you the story about the time I got an elder to almost mow and trim my yard? 
It wasn't Brian. He would do that, but... No, I remember it. It was a, it was, it was a hot July day. It was a hot July evening, and I was finishing up doing some things that needed to be done, and one of those things that needed to be done was the yard work. And, and I have a certain way I like to do my yard. You know, you trim it first. You get all that stuff out of the way. You trim what the mower won't get. Then you mow it, and you start at a, a certain corner, and you mow straight lines back and forth. And you keep the same pattern this week, and then you alternate it for the next week. I have a very specific type A process for doing the yard. Okay? So it was hard, and it's hot. And it was a fairly miserable day to be working in the yard, but it needed to be done. When along the sidewalk came a 19-year-old elder from another religion, okay? Now, I barely noticed him. I wouldn't even have given a second thought to him. I had my earbuds in and... And uh, I was just listening to a podcast, and I'm going to the process of mowing my yard, but he stopped. He stopped at the edge of my yard, and he smiled at me as I passed by. So I took out my earbud to be friendly and polite and introduced myself. He said, uh, would you like some help with your yard? And in that moment, I was this close to going Mormon, Okay. Just joking for all of you without a sense of humor. I'm not going Mormon, okay? But do you see what he did there? He didn't hand me a pamphlet. He didn't set out to debate me. What he did was he looked at this guy huffing and puffing and sweating through his yard, and he said, that guy would be most receptive to what I have to say if I got behind that mower. He was offering to do a good work that he might have an opportunity to share what he would call the good news. Now, his theology was wrong, but his practice is absolutely right. Faith without works, James would say, is dead. You've got to bring these two together, hand and glove, because If we have faith and we're doing good, we glorify God, we have the opportunity to share good news. May we, may you and I, not just listen to this sermon, but put it into practice. Hebrews 10.24 Let us consider how to stir up one another toward love, and good works. The rest of the poem. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands and actions, but your hand or your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you in the high advice you give, but though there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. When I see a deed of kindness, I'm eager to be kind. When a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stays behind, 
just to see if he can help him, then the wish grows strong in me to become as big and thoughtful as I know that friend to be. And all the travelers can witness that the best of guides today is not the one who tells them, but the one who shows the way. One good man teaches many, men believe what they behold. One deed of kindness noticed is worth forty that are told. Who stands with men of honor learns to hold his honor dear. For right living speaks a language which to everyone is clear. Though an able speaker speaker claims... Ironic that I messed up that line. Though an able speaker charms me with his eloquence, I say... I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. This morning, the charge is not for me to finish the message, but for you all to live it out. Look for opportunities this week to do good, that you might glorify God, and that you might share the good news with other people. The greatest good that was ever done, of course, was on the cross. And if you don't know that good has been done for you, I want to tell you about the free gift of grace. Jesus paid it all, and all to Him you owe. And so may you, if you do not know Christ, put Him on this morning in baptism. And if you need to do that, uh, in this next song, I'll encourage you to go to the back and talk to one of our shepherds, and they'll direct you and how and what you need to do. We'll be happy to help you as you begin your journey with Jesus. But maybe your faith has been dead. Maybe you were born into Christ, but you sort of stopped walking in it. You stopped living in it. Maybe you need to repent of that. Maybe you've taken your eye off the ball. If you need to repent, if if you have private prayer requests that our shepherds could pray with you and for you, they'll be happy to do that as well. If you have a need and you're here present with us, uh, we ask that you join our shepherds at the back of the room during this next song. And if you're watching online and if you have some sort of need, just email us and contact us via the website. We'll be glad to help you as well. Whatever your need might be, if you have one now, won't you head toward the back as together we stand and sing.